What's going on, people? It's the Mike Silva Show, the return. First episode back from a, well, I don't want to say brief hiatus. It was a while, but going to hit the ground running today. Got my friend Brandon Scott joining me. He is an old friend of mine. In fact, my first co-podcast host, is that the right word? Co-host of a podcast way back in college. So bringing him back on, we're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. I hate to do the cliche thing and talk about what everybody's talked about for the last 24 hours. But I mean, you got a game like that. You hear my voice, I'm hoarse right now. I lost my voice screaming for Pats. Screaming for Brady, so we got to talk about the hot topic right now. Talk about the greatest quarterback of all time. We're going to go ahead and also talk a little bit about the future of Kyle Shanahan going to my beloved 49ers. That's going to be interesting, but won't keep you waiting anymore. Let's go ahead and get this show on the road. Obviously, you've known me a couple years. You know I'm a big Brady fan, so I got pretty crunk at the end there. Lost my voice, as you can hear. Yeah, man. I was so like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just it's, it's crazy because like Brady, you, you gotta you gotta give Brady credit, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a Brady hater either, man. I'm not a fan like you, but I'm not a hater either. Right. Just, saying, like, just, just real, that, yeah. That, Unbiased. That. Well, see, that's that was going to be the first thing I wanted to kind of discuss. You know, how is the Super Bowl going to be remembered? Is this the Super Bowl that the Patriots came back, the ultimate comeback, or is this going to be known as the Atlanta choke? You know, what, I, what's your take on that? What do you think? Like, it's the one that separated him from Montana. It really kind of killed the conversation on, like, who's the best quarterback. Uh, you know, it's like it's not – you remember how we used to have a conversation back when it was still popular or it seemed like – like, it might still be an interesting question of, as who's better between Manning and Brady. You right. know, like, that's, that's been dead, but then, like, this, like, shattered that sense. Because just last year, Manning ended his career with a Super Bowl, right? So, and that was like a, you know, feather in his cap to use a, a cliche, so to speak. Right. So, so it, it, but so it does the same thing for Brady, except amplified because Brady, Brady, his at least championship pedigree is much more, uh, has much more depth to it than, than managed. So you're basically looking at the same thing, whereas we don't, we're not going to look back at last year's performance with Manning as, but we're not going to look at it as, hey, he wasn't really that good. We're just going to say, hey, that was the second Super Bowl. Right. He was a great player for the most part. And he ended it on a good note and went in the Super Bowl. So we're not going to like try to kill that. And it's the same thing with with Brady. I don't, I don't know how much of an effort we would have even made made to talk of the Falcons if they had won to begin with. Right. You know, much less with the, when they lose. So we're going to make it all about Brady and probably just forget that uh, it, it basically took the – Well, that's a good point. Yeah, and as it was kind of falling apart, I mean, 
the sideline was showing Brady the whole time, you know? And, I mean, he had that big pick six that was seemingly the dagger, but it was all about him not getting it done or him not, you know, padding his legacy, so to say. That's what it felt like as the blowout was kind of transpiring. It didn't really feel like it was about giving Atlanta credit. It was more about, wow, the Patriots are really choking here. And, you know, I, I, it's funny because uh, – you know, two years ago, I went to a friend of mine's house to watch the game, and I remember going nuts when they finally won. Well, this year I said, after watching that same spot, I'm going to wear the same shirt, all the superstitious stuff, I, I went all in on it. And it's funny because it was a similar feeling of just, wow, I can't believe we're going to lose. And then they pull some luck out of nowhere and get some wins. You know, and it's it's the complete opposite from all those Giants games, you know, where you had the Tyree catch, you have the Manningham catch. Uh, even most of the Seattle game, I mean, you got the curse catch. And then you got the shoestring tackle of Lynch on the one, which sets up the chaos of Belichick not calling timeout because he sees the sidelines kind of in disarray. And then all of a sudden you have the Malcolm Butler jump play. And then all of a sudden this Super Bowl, I mean, you can't even – it, it was insane. I mean, some of the plays, of course, the big turning point was the blunt fumble in the uh, sec- second quarter. Before that, I mean, the, the Falcons did a really good job penetrating and staying in the Patriots' face, which I was shocked by. I thought if there's one thing they weren't going to be able to do, it would be pressure Brady. And they pressured him better than I've ever seen anybody pressure him. But even with that said, they were still moving the ball pretty well until that point, And then it just kind of went stagnant. I have to ask you about Brady, though. So, because, I mean, I think that's really the question that we're getting at here. Because, I mean, that's what this is really all about. Brady, we have a really interesting sort of dichotomy here, right? Because, right. like, Brady was terrible for the first. Yeah. Definitely the, definitely the first half. I mean, he was really looking like he was going to give up the game. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just going to be him. But it looked like he was giving the game away for a half at least. Maybe a little bit of the, of the third quarter, too. I mean, they were down by 25 with, yeah. like, a little less than nine minutes to go, I, I guess, in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, this something was a, like that. This was, a late, this was a late comeback. I mean, just didn't, <laughs> it's not like they just turned it on to start the first half and that was it. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm pretty sure Atlanta got the ball first. But but still, I mean, you know, start the second half. But still, yeah. you know, it was, it, was a, it was a dominant performance by Atlanta. I guess that that is a discussion, right? Like, was it a dominant performance by Atlanta for the first two quarters and first several minutes of the second half? Or was it Brady giving away the game, like, (laughs) and then just turning it around, you know, with the flip of the switch? Well, the weirdest thing is so many things that happened in that game, I never, I was certain would not happen. I was certain they wouldn't be able to pressure Brady. And they pressured him. That was that was the worst I've seen him play to start out a game since that Chiefs game, uh, what, two years ago when they got blown out 41-14. Everybody was saying, this is it, this is the end. That was the worst I had seen him play and the worst composed he was in the pocket. That pick he throws to Alfred was one of the worst throws I've ever seen him make. I mean, that's an Osweiler-level throw. I mean... He seemed a little off his game. Another thing, too, is the Patriots just seemed so unprepared. And the weirdest thing to me, too, is Deion Lewis. 
I mean, he was virtually non-existent in the game plan, and I was shocked by that. You barely saw him at all in the only, in, throughout the game. But, I mean, Brady was moving the ball. They just – they would stall out. You know, they they drive down to about the 50 in two plays or so, and then they would just stall out. You know, he'd get sacked or there'd be an incomplete – a lot of drops too, which was uncharacteristic. But, um, you know, to your point, what I found very odd was – Right when the game ended, it was just a foregone conclusion that he was MVP. But I was wondering why White didn't get a little bit more consideration. That's what I was just going to get at. Like, Brady ended up getting the MVP because he's Tom Brady. It was White who was really the man in this game, right? I mean, between him and, I mean, there's Edelman's catch. I don't know if you don't get Edelman the award just for that catch alone. That was nuts. Uh, like, Like, I wouldn't have been, like, that's not a good a good practice for how you determine an MVP for a game, like just off of one play. But like some plays, I give that exception for. Like I could have easily done that for David Tyree. Could have done that for um, for Edelman, for Michael yeah. Butler two years ago, for Jacoby Jones uh, yeah. two years ago. Like like guys, you make a play like that in the Super Bowl, like. Those are the plays that I remember. Like, I forget a lot of details of the game, but I'll never forget something like that. Yeah. You know, mm. so so uh, th- th- those two I would have been perfectly fine with. Like, I don't really care who gets the, like, who cares really who gets right. the MVP. Like, yeah, like, it really doesn't matter. But when you look at it, though, or at least try to dissect the logic of it and the justification for it, like, you don't really have much of an argument for Brady other than, again, he's Brady and... He threw 27 passes in the fourth quarter, yeah. right? Like, that's basically it. You're like, man, this dude went off, like, at the end of the game. He's Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do you give him – does it hurt, or do you give him credit for the fact that he sucked for most of the game and then turned it on at the end? Like, I don't, well, know, I don't know what you do with that for Brady. or Do you do, you do it differently for, a, for an all-time great than you would for, say, if that was Matt Ryan who did that? Yeah, and I mean – I'm biased, obviously, but I understand that he's going to get the benefit of the doubt most of the time. Uh, with that said, not making excuses, they pressured him like crazy. You know, some of those throws, he was just trying to get rid of the ball. Uh, but there were a couple. I mean, he missed Edelman for what could have been a touchdown, I think. I mean, he had nobody in front of him for about 15 yards. So, you know, there's a good chance that if he hits him there, you're going into the half 21-7. That pick was horrible. And then just a couple other plays that he just threw really to nobody, just in the, in the flat with nobody there. Um, but I will say the one thing that he did was uh, he, he just set that example. You know, not to go into sports cliches that everybody follows the leader, but, you know, all these reports are coming out that they were approaching him and they're saying, you know, we trust you, you're our quarterback. As long as you're cool, we're cool. We believe in you. You know, you're the greatest no, everybody was calm. That was probably the most impressive thing about the whole uh, approach. And I mean, really, at that point, you have nothing to lose. But just the 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 composure and the patience they had. I mean, they were still running the ball a little bit coming down those last couple drives. It was it was crazy how in control they looked, even though they were they were losing by so many points. And it was weird because. The Falcons kind of let him, obviously they let him hang around a little bit, but offensively, outside of the play calling, 
the Falcons didn't really fail to execute. There weren't any big drops, any big, uh, you know, mishaps. I mean, you had Matt Ryan have that blindside fumble. Aside from that, they really didn't make too many mistakes. It was just a matter of they couldn't connect, couldn't make the right plays. And I was shocked at the end, the play calling that, you know, Kyle Shanahan had to be so aggressive. And it's funny because usually coaches get killed for being too conservative. This time it was the other way around. They got bit in the ass because they were pulling the trigger too much. Really, they could have just taken three knees in a row and kicked a field goal, and that could have ended the game right there at the end of the game. That, that They could have done that. And, you know, throughout the game, I'm watching it, and I'm just praying, all right, at least make it close. I, I conceded defeat when it was 28-3. to I said, just make it close. Don't get blown out. If they lose 28-20 to or 28-18, that's fine. But Atlanta let them kind of hang around. And then for them to the, – the big mistake they made, a lot of it I'll give the Patriots credit for holding them, but the big mistakes they made were in that last drive when they weren't able to get a field goal first down with about four minutes left on the 22-yard line. That right there should probably drive every Falcons fan crazy. Yeah, you know, he really did. Know, like, I didn't know if they could really count on him uh, in a game like this at his age and at this stage in his career. I mean, the I mean he played in the Super Bowl six six or seven years ago where he had, he had a bum ankle, you know, mm. and that was like I said six or seven years ago. Yeah, you know, so I mean, and, I mean that was like the storyline of the Super Bowl, Dwight Freeney's ankle. So I mean, and I, that was all those years ago. You got him playing well. So, like, they had that in the first half. I didn't see much of that in the second half. Did Dwight Brady get tired? They were, like you said, they were able to pressure Brady in the beginning, but they couldn't, uh, you know, towards the end of the second half, or I say it's towards the middle of the third quarter. It didn't seem like they were doing that as much, really any of the second half. So that was like a change. Uh, Brady, like, every now and then you're going to get a bonehead play from Brady, but you're not going to get a lot of them. Like, that's part of his brilliance, right, that he just – he doesn't do that. He right. doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Like, even in the times where he's looked limited, uh, whether it be injury or age or whatever it is, when he doesn't look like much physically, you've always been able to count on him not to make a bunch of mistakes. And he did make that one, uh, the pick six, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. But you weren't going to get another one of those. So you couldn't count on it. Um, you couldn't count on that to go your way. Man, the Falcons, my goodness, man. Like, what a choke job. This this thing was supposed to be wrapped up. Like, look at it. They they were up by 25 with just a little bit more than eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Yeah. Like, it took, it, it took that amount of time for them to not come up with what did they need? One stop. Think about that. Like, one stop before the end of regulation and they win the game. One. That's true. But, and that that's yeah. part of it, though. You know, watching it, I basically conceded defeat. I was like, damn it, we lost. Just don't get destroyed. Make it close, you know? So the players have to kind of feel that, too. You know, you have nothing to lose. You're loose. You're down by 25. Really, you can play balls to the wall. There's no pressure on you. All the pressure is on the other team because if you get blown out, you're already going to get blown out, you know? There's really nothing that you hold back. 
you pull all the tricks out, try to do everything that you can to get some advantages. And I think it helped loosen them up a little bit. I mean, Hogan and Edelman had a couple of drops early in the game that later in the game turned around. But I think some of the plays that are going to get forgotten that, you know, are some of the biggest plays of the game. So right after the Falcons have the, uh, you know, 25-point lead, Patriots get the ball, you know, they're in the third quarter. It's fourth down, and I want to say about five yards, fourth and five. They're down by 25 on their own 40, and they go for it. Now, if they fail to convert, it's over. You know, Atlanta's right there, 10 yards out of field goal range. You know, if they don't, if they don't convert here, it's over. And Brady hits Amendola. Next thing you know, he goes down, and uh, it's third and you know eight or whatever it was. He scrambles out and he runs for 15 yards. I mean, these are the little plays that are going to get forgotten. But those two big plays right there, if they don't happen, the game ends right then and there. You know, they score, and then of course everybody, every Patriots fan or you know people that have followed the Pats knew Goskowski had one miss in him, so he missed. And then they get a field goal after that. It's 28-12. And it's funny because I'm pissed that they can't punch it in. But at the same time, I'm like, that is two possessions. They still have a chance. It's unlikely, but they have a chance. And then for them to convert both twos, that never happens. That never happens. And it's so funny because all week I've been watching old Super Bowl highlights not the Giants ones, obviously, but <laughs> all the good ones. I've been watching those, and the last one in Houston, you know, 38 against the Panthers, they do this. It's 27-22. They go ahead, uh, you know, get that five-point lead. They want to get the two to go up by seven. They do the, that direct snap, uh, Kevin Falk run right up the middle. And when they did that with White, I was freaking out. And that's another play that's not going to necessarily show up on the stat line. Another scoring play for James White, which is why I'm so confused that it was just unanimous, automatic, quarterback gets it without any, well, let's take a second to think about this. You know, no, just right away. And you watch the highlights throughout the game. I mentioned that play to Amendola and the run to Brady. Every time Brady was backed up, White bailed him out. I mean, he made so many big plays and he fought for those extra yards that, you know, make all the difference in the world, especially the game-winning score. You know, Blunt or Lewis get that catch, they're down. Not White. White drives through and he breaks the plane. So it was just there was just so much, so many different things, so many different details in that. It was just nuts, man. And another name too, people can't forget, Malcolm Mitchell. You know, a couple a couple people said that he was going to have a big game, and I watched him throughout the season, and, you know, he had a knack for a big play, and, uh, you know, he's just sure hands, you know? And he was another yeah. one. He was another one down the stretch that anytime Brady needed somebody, he even had that play where he fell, got back up, and still caught the ball. You know, we can, we can become prisoners of the moment, but looking at the annals of all the Super Bowls of all time, I mean, where do you have to put this one? If you had to do your power rankings of best Super Bowls ever, where do you have to put this one at? Maybe the comeback in and of itself makes it a better story. Right. Um, and, and you can still even make the argument that it was a better game. Um, like, like I wouldn't like kill somebody for making that argument, but the way it ended with Seattle at the goal line like that, yeah, with Malcolm Butler, with Malcolm Butler uh, jumping that route and basically winning the Super Bowl. Uh, for the Patriots, 
me, I mean, that right there, uh, with it, you know, because it ended that way, that's probably like the the game of, the, like, I, I mean, I would say that's the best Super Bowl of the, of the last few years because of how it ended in that sense. I you agree. Know, like, Seattle, Seattle, Seattle is supposed to win that Super Bowl. Like, that is, like, this is your Super Bowl right here, right at the goal line, and then you do some, like, you come up with some tomfoolery. Super Bowl, I mean, that damn curse catch, he gets a hand on it, and I'm like, man, this guy is awesome. And then I'm like, wait, there's no way that's a catch. They show the replay, and I'm just kind of like, what the fuck? And I'll say, and I agree with you on the, uh, you know, from a Pats standpoint, this is number five. You know, it solidifies Brady as the best. It was the comeback. You know, it really, I had people that always doubted Brady, that were always hating on Brady. You know, texting me or, you know, I saw him on Facebook, like, all right, I can't argue it anymore. Nobody else comes back from that. He's the best. He's the greatest. I saw a lot of that. But as far as an overall game standpoint, I agree. I mean, and I think it's more because of that, you know, it happened in an instant. It happened in a moment. Whereas this was more like the, you know, the the tortoise and the hare, you know, the marathon race where, you know, the Falcons get out to a big lead, but then they start kind of slowing down. Then you have the Patriots, slow and steady, patient, and finally come back. But that Seattle-New England game, you had that big comeback, 10 points, which, funny enough, was tied for the biggest comeback before this one. And just like that, like you said, that last second, that last moment of the game, you have that instant end. That one play determined the game. You know, And, I mean, this was – I guess this was technically the first walk-off touchdown win ever since it was the first overtime game but again it was it wasn't that same you know boom boom from that interception at the goal line I mean that was I've never seen such you know it, it, like you said it was crazy on the Seahawks th- thought process to to go forth with that but then also for Butler to recognize that since he was getting beat on that all practice to make that jump pick the ball off right there you know, you just have all those things coming together. I, I agree. I think, to me, that's probably the best Super Bowl. This is a more gratifying win as a Brady fan, but the Seahawks and Patriots Super Bowl has to go down for me as the best Super Bowl to watch. It, it's going to be hard to top that, is what I'll say. It's going to be hard to top that kind of emotion, that kind of drama, and that kind of a storyline. And I feel really bad for Atlanta. You know, the fans there, I'll, I'll give it to them, too, because... The players on the field, they weren't demonstrative. They weren't talking shit. They all seemed to kind of be, you know, respectful about it all. So I did like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be tough. It's got to be tough for that city right now. Yeah, man. You're disappointed if you're Atlanta, but <laughs> I thought about this again. Atlanta is, is, is this type of sports city where they're always doing just enough to have a good team. Right. Or to have a hopeful fan base, right? Like they're just competitive, competitive enough, but you can't get over them. You know, you know you're like, well, this is gonna work out. They're up by many points. This is gonna work out, <laughs> and they're going up against 
Tom Brady, you know, like an actual winner. You know, like, <laughs> like maybe they could have beat anybody else. You know, for me, I'm not a very demonstrative person. We're winning or losing. I stay pretty calm. I'll clap, you know, and I'll emphatically clap if I'm matching the, you know, the tunes of other people. But uh, so yesterday we're watching the game and there were two just terrible Falcons fans. I mean, every play, they're up jumping, acting a fool, stomping their feet, screaming, shouting, you know, cursing Brady, saying he sucks, talking mad shit the whole game. And it's funny because I'm just sitting there and it's taking every ounce of me not to get up and just blow up in their face. But I'm like, all right, be the adult, lose with grace, just kind of chill, you know, just relax. And it's funny because as you see them mounting this comeback, they go from sitting down, really relaxed, you know, not 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 looking nervous at all, no sweat on their brow, to all of a sudden they're standing, their arms are crossed, they're pacing, you know, they're cussing. Then the, the the best part was, you know, you get that that little glimmer of false hope, you know. The Patriots drive is going well, and then there's a sack. So they're jumping up and down. Yeah, yeah, it's over. Next play, first down, silent, you know. Hands up in the air, hands on their head, just losing it. The best was the Edelman catch. So when this guy reels it in, this guy literally drops to his knees and just goes like face down on the ground. And I'm just loving every moment of it. Now, I'm not going to rub it in his face. Game's not over yet either, you know? But I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Sure enough, they score. They get the two. And he's like, oh, flag, flag, flag. And I just had to tell him, you know, real matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, it was offside. So this is going to count anyway. And sure enough, that was the truth. He just lost it. So then we go to the overtime period, and you can just tell. You know, they win the coin toss. They're driving down. And I'm at this point, I'm starting to get really excited. Sure enough, the second he punches it through, I couldn't hold it back anymore, man. Catharsis came through. That's why my voice is gone right now. I started stomping, clapping real hard, just screaming, yeah, yeah. I've never been so excited in my life. I didn't see it because everything was in a blur, but apparently they said that, that, that one of the two fans cried and left. <laughs> so I guess if it's going to be a lesson to anybody, and I learned this lesson by playing the Giants, not myself, I say that like I played on the team. I learned this lesson by watching the Patriots play the Giants twice in the Super Bowl. No matter what the odds are, you can't underestimate the opponent. Never get too complacent until the game is actually over and never be that demonstrative, never be that arrogant because at the end of the game, if you lose, you're going to look like a fool and that's exactly what they look like. You're playing yourself. Like, first of all, you shouldn't be showing all this emotion to begin with, but if you do, I'm not going to knock you, but I mean, keep it in check. Keep it all in perspective, you know, like, yep. <clears throat> like you, you you got you got to keep your emotions in check and and be willing to kind of sort of face the music when uh, when it doesn't go your way. Before we wrap things up, I did have one little story that I wanted to kind of add to it. You know, one thing that you reminded me was to kind of explain why I'm a Brady fan to begin with, and this is actually a really interesting story. I think a lot of people are probably curious about. You know, I'm a Houston guy. What am I doing like in the like in Brady? So. You know, if you go back to when I first started watching football, it was around 98, 
you know, so it was, uh, you know, fourth grade, nine years old, started really watching football, collecting football cards, playing Madden, the works, you know, trying to get really involved. But I didn't really have a team. You know, Houston Oilers left. Now you have Tennessee Titans or Tennessee Oilers and then Tennessee Titans. So really, I just kind of followed a player. At the time, that player was Jerry Rice. So... I became a huge 49ers fan. So I lived through the Steve Young era, at least the very end of the Steve Young era. Uh, Jeff Garcia, T.O., Garrison Hurst, you know, all those guys. And, you know, they had a three or four year span where they were really good. And then nobody's going to forget where they entered the toilet of the NFL. Yeah, the Alex Smith, the first part of the Alex Smith career, which now, I mean, it's above average to decent, but before it was just a train wreck. You had Troy Smith, Tim Rattay, JT O'Sullivan. I mean, I could probably win some kind of Jeopardy battle on all the, the trashy quarterbacks they had for the longest. So, you know, of course, the rival at the time was the successful Rams, who... To that point, never really had many accolades for the franchise. Really just a Eric Dickerson, you know, Hall of Fame career. And, uh, you know, Jim Everett flipping the table on Jim Rome. Chris Everett. But, uh, yeah, so at this point, I'm like, you know what? I hate the Rams. I want them to lose no matter what. I'm so tired of them beating my team. My team sucks now. Their Super Bowl uh, against the Patriots. I'm like, all right, I hope these guys win. And, I mean, that'll go down as one of the best Super Bowls ever. I mean, it's decided in the last play of the game with that game-winning field goal by Vinatieri. And what's so cool is you go back and listen to it, and Madden's commentating, and there's a minute left, and he's saying, they should just take a knee and go for overtime. And Brady just marches down the field, calm as hell, just never even twitches. And uh, Madden goes, what Brady just did there gives me goosebumps. So I'm like, man, this Brady guy is pretty good. He beat these shitty Rams. I hate them. You know, and then you have the Houston Super Bowl. I didn't really care. Them versus Carolina. Uh, you know, I thought it was kind of a toss-up. I thought it was cool that they won again. So I'm like, all right, that, that's cool. They beat the Rams. I like them because they beat the Rams, so I give them credit. And then the next year, they played the Eagles. I like T.O. a lot, so I kind of wanted T.O. to win one, but... Patriots won again. So I'm like, man, this this Brady guy, I'm like, I actually kind of like him. He's really good. And then before long, then they add Moss. And this is right when I started getting into fantasy football. And I had Moss and Brady for that year. And just like the actual season, I went all the way to the championship. I think I had one loss. And then I got blown out. I got blown out in fantasy. But I felt like I, I had an emotional bond with Brady and the Patriots. So then I was all in. All in. Brady fan. Patriots. Boom. Well, right around this time, the Niners start becoming semi-decent again. You know, Jim Harbaugh comes in. You got the Crappernick era for two or three years. Really just 10 games of a really good quarterback. So then I'm back to, you know, the Niners are my team. But I still have this love for for Brady and the Patriots because for 10 years I've been rooting for them since my team's been done, you know, and mathematically eliminated in October every year. But nonetheless, long story short, which that was a very long story and I'm not making it very short, but I have a love for the Niners as my team and Brady as my quarterback. Now, the rumors are saying that Jimmy Garoppolo might go to the Niners, which would be really cool and very full circle. 
But the humor in all this, and it's something that you pointed out, was who the Niners are going to have as their head coach. (laughs) Which I'll just go ahead and let you take it from here and give your take because it is a very funny round circle thing. And uh, it's kind of worrisome seeing what just happened in that last game. Yeah, I I just, I wish that Fox would have planned for somewhere to have a camera on Jed York (laughs) while this game is going on, right? Like, I want to see Jed York's face, or I don't know if you had a group of 49ers season ticket holders, or (laughs) uh, maybe maybe all of the, maybe if you could get cameras on all of the, the 49ers coaches that they fired over the last three years that they're still that they're still paying money to, or if you could get all of them in one room. But you want to see somebody's reaction, somebody who's invested. You want to see their reaction to Kyle Shanahan basically, you know, going into a – I don't know. You can't say that he went into a prevent offense, but you can't say that he played a heavy – uh, he would say he played a major part in the collapse and the choke job yeah. in Atlanta, basically staying true to the stereotype and the just prevailing sentiment of what Atlanta sports are all about, which is good but not good enough. Uh, and that's just when it's good. Uh, you know, so like, and so now you've got Kyle Shanahan who coughed up the Super Bowl supposed to be the guy who gets the 49ers back on the right track and his first his first his first thing on the job his first act of duty is to get john lynch hired as the general manager oh don't worry about it he has no experience he'll be okay (laughs) and that's how it's gonna work with both of these guys Uh, never been a head coach and then you got somebody who's never been a gm or never worked in the front office at all and they're going to come and fix a team that needs everything. I mean, you talked about the quarterback and Kaepernick. Like, like I don't even know if Kaepernick is their biggest problem. I don't as either. Matter of fact, I, as a matter of fact, I know he's not uh, as, as mediocre to bad, you know, outright bad as he's been. I mean, the best he's been over the last two years has been okay. And for the most part, he's been bad. But he's not even the, the biggest problem there. You know, so... You look at the 49ers, and that's a team that needs a total rebuild. And you're going to bring in a guy that just called the Super Bowl and somebody who was talking on the network that that aired the game. Oh, like that's 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 your solution now. You know that's that's where the 49ers are, and all the while being the team that's paying three or four head coaches. Well, I really, really hope they get Jimmy so that'll soften the blow a little bit. I love Jimmy for those two games, man. He really played a big part in keeping them afloat. But uh, it, it's going to hurt if if the other reports are true and he brings over Schaub to kind of bridge the gap because <laughs> being from Houston, that'll, we saw Pick 6 be, City. That would be terrible. That would be, that would be the first thing that would be an indication that, they, that, that, he, that this is not going to work out. You know, like, if, hey, this is your first day on the job. Or this is your first year. What, what, what are you going to do? I'm bring a match job. Really? Yeah. Like, and he's been, has been bad for five years. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, yeah, but, but I mean, that, 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 is, that, is the, that, that is really like the, the, the crazy part about this, that Kyle Shanahan is now, you know, going to go be in charge of a franchise. 
I'm interested to see how that works out. As am I. As am I. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was fun, man. Yeah, it was, man. Hey, stay in touch, and we'll do this again soon. All right, sounds good, man. All right, dude. See you.